0: to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Chinese Communist Party. Happy birthday to you. Yeah, baby. Welcome to the skunk. We're back again here. Uh, This is the podcast that stinks. Of course, wait a minute, who wrote that? Just because it's called The Skunk doesn't mean that it stinks. This is a good podcast, damn it. We're decent people. We work hard on this. Oh, God. Please don't let this become known as the podcast that stinks. I could see that happening very, very easily. Um, I really am terrible at branding. I know I've said it before. I'll say it again. What have I done? Anyway, welcome to The Skunk. This is a podcast that doesn't stink. It's actually really good, guys. Just give it a chance. Uh, If you're returning, I want to say thank you. Uh, If you enjoy it, go rate it in the iTunes store or wherever you get your podcasts. If you don't enjoy it, well, go away. You know, I don't want you around. That makes me feel bad, and I don't want to hear anything about it. Okay? Thanks. So this is going to be an interesting episode, everybody. Um, normally, as you know, I try to pick one big topic and stay in that lane with my episodes, uh, which usually turns out pretty well. Um, this time, there's just been so much interesting news over the past couple you know, days, actually. And the weird thing about it is I had a hard time focusing on one thing or another to sort of do an episode about. And the reason is so much of this news that I've seen it ties back to episodes I've already done. Like a great example would be, you know, the first two episodes of The Skunk were about aliens and extraterrestrials and do they exist and UFOs and what do we know. And just the other day, the U.S. government released its full report as ordered by Congress about what they know about UFOs. You know, all these videos that we've seen that the Pentagon has leaked and, you know, things that Navy pilots have seen out of their planes flying at weird angles and doing weird stuff. Well, the U.S. government analyzed 144 of these incidents and rendered an entire report and opinion on it. Well, I feel like as a podcaster who just covered UFOs and aliens, I kind of need to go back and touch on that, right? Uh, Also, since I've done my Israel-Palestine episode... Um, The Israeli government basically booted its prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, and replaced him with a new man named Naftali Bennett. Well, that's huge news because Netanyahu is a complete right-wing psycho war hawk, and his policies over the last 12 years played heavily in the Israel-Palestine episode, and what I thought could happen there, and what, you know, where these two peoples might be going um, in their future. Well, that's obviously huge news that should be touched upon. In addition, It's the 100th birthday of the Chinese Communist Party, which was started in 1921. They didn't take power for about another two decades. But because of this birthday, a lot of articles are coming out about what life is like in China, about how President Xi uh, runs the place and his visions for the future. And so much of it is so dystopian and disturbing. Uh, And the entire thing ties right back to my episode on George Orwell, which was all about totalitarianism and authoritarianism. And sort of how state-controlled communism, like in China, is actually a right-wing ideal. Now, you know, a Republican in America would never agree with that, but it's actually true. You know, this is a place where the people do not have any sort of democratic power. They cannot think for themselves. They cannot speak for themselves. It is an authoritarian state, right? Leftism is for the people and by the people. Right-wingism is dictators, big daddy uh, governments, and strong militaries, and stuff like that, Uh, economic output over people's happiness and the rights of man. And that is, of course, 100% the lane that China swims in. So it's interesting to see, uh, right after that Orwell episode, all of this amazing stuff come out about what life is like in China. And it is absolutely Orwellian. I mean, literal thought police, you know, literal... Uh, Wrong think and right think, and being jailed for saying or doing or acting the wrong way. Party leaders in every neighborhood, uh, no matter how small or how rural, someone there will be a member of the party. Interesting note here, too. I think a lot of Americans might not realize that uh, everyone in China is not actually a member of the Communist Party. The Communist Party runs the place like an oligarchy or a plutocracy. Which means that it is a small number of people who are actually party members, and they are the ones in control of government. The other hundreds of millions of Chinese are not technically members of the Communist Party. They are simply ruled by them. So this is a true ruling by the few over the many. Um, That is the furthest thing from a left-wing ideal that I can imagine. So all the crowing and the posturing about China being, you know, a AOC's ideal country or a socialist paradise, just not true. I mean, absolutely not true. The idea of socialism and left-wing political ideology has everything to do with the common man having control over everything, right? Marx himself may be a uh, (laughs) a horrible marketer because he called it a dictatorship of the proletariat which sounds absolutely terrifying because he's got the word dictatorship in there and proletariat just means the common man, basically. What he could have said is something like it would be a government of the people and by the people and for the people, you know, like we say in America. Um, So, of course, China does not have that going on for itself at all. It is ruled by a very small and very selective party that does not even accept everybody. I was reading in The Economist the other day, People in China are desperate to get into the Chinese Communist Party because of the benefits that it confers to them, you know, in society. If you're a member of the party, well, you are a member of the ruling elite now. And whatever private businesses you may have will automatically be given preference. You know, you uh, will have an esteemed role in society. And you will also become the watcher rather than the watchee. They're saying that a lot of these private firms in China are vying to have their CEOs or whatever, you know, whoever's in charge of these companies become party members, because there is always someone from the party who is inserted into every company that exists in China to watch it and sort of make sure that party orthodoxy is being observed and that, you know, pro-Chinese and pro-communist ideals are are in the workplace 24-7, that there is no sort of wrong thing going on and so they you know these companies want their CEOs to become party members so that they don't have to have an outside party observer in these companies, right? basically it's the fox watching the hen house. So whoever runs the company, well he can be the party guy and he can let the party know whether or not everything is on the up and up uh, inside the company. But because of this and other reasons, you know um, it's difficult to get in the party. President G apparently, is one big reason for this. Apparently, when he took power, he looked around the Chinese Communist Party and saw a lot of people who were just sort of slacking off on the ideology. He is a hardcore idealist communist, um, very, very dedicated to the core principles of communism and the cause. And China, over the last couple decades, has sort of drifted on their idealism. And a lot of people in the party were just sort of taking communism casually, right? Embracing a little bit of state capitalism and even a little bit of private capitalism and sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudge, yeah, we're all communists, right? Well, President Xi does not feel this way at all. And he has been booting those people out and in some cases imprisoning them and replacing all of these high ranking party members and all the watchdogs for the activities in China with pretty hardcore lockstep, you know, early Soviet style communists. his idea here is basically complete thought control for everybody in the party. Uh, if he finds out that you are sort of questioning the orthodoxy and uh, the doctrines of communism, well, you're out real fast and maybe even into prison. Uh, he has reinstituted something that had sort of gone away in China, which is the neighborhood watchman. You know, every apartment building will have someone who reports to the party whose job it is, is literally just to spy on their neighbors and try to entrap people into private conversations where they might admit that they're a little fed up with the totalitarian state or that they're having sort of sympathies towards capitalism or the West or thinking of trying to get out of there. Anything like that will be immediately reported. Those people will be jailed. In some cases, their family members along with them. Um, it's, It's crazy. It's crazy Orwellian stuff. Very, very scary what's going on over there. There's also, you know, it's like... There's sensors in the street that read people's phones as they pass by and process the data to see if there's any sort of wrong think or anything that could be in any way construed as anti-party, right? If you've been texting your friend about how fed up you are with the bullshit that your life is in China, well, one of these readers will pick that up off your phone. And before you know it, someone's knocking on your door from the party to talk to you about it. Similarly, there's cameras. That have full time staff watching and analyzing what these cameras see. Like if someone throws down a piece of litter, well, they will find who that was and find them very quickly. People who are fans of the party like to point to this kind of stuff and say, well, look at how efficient it is when you have this sort of authoritarian, mono party state where they run everything. You know, even someone who throws a piece of litter can immediately be identified. Well, how terrifying, though. I mean, what is the price of litter versus the price of personal freedom? knowing that everywhere you go, quite literally, a Big Brother-type apparatus is watching you. And imagine if that piece of litter happened to be a pamphlet for something that maybe was anti-communist or something that in any way could be construed as against the interests of the party. Well, now you're in a lot of trouble and not for just littering, right? You've committed thought crime, and you're off to the gulag. Um, This sort of stuff is scary. This sort of stuff is really scary. But it is on the rise, and... You know, China is growing faster than any other country on Earth. Not long from now, it will be the largest economy in the world. It is not far behind the United States at this point, and it shows no signs of stopping. So, again, fans of the party, fans of China will point to the way that everything is running and growing and say, well, how can you say that the West is better than this, right? The West is quabbling over political things constantly. It can't get its shit together, you know. COVID was a mess. Uh, So many people died in America where China got it under control almost immediately because they have complete control over everything in their country. So how can you say that what's going on in China is bad? Look at the economic output. Look at the amazing control they have over their society. Well, the only response to that, at least from a Western perspective, would be who cares about economic output and who cares about all of the amazing control they have when its average citizens' lives are a completely dominated, lack of personal freedom nightmare. You have no voice if you're an average person in China. You have no freedom, not even to think for yourself, not even to speak for yourself. So what's to celebrate because the GDP is doing well? Who gives a shit? I would rather live in a country that was a dump where I could say whatever I want and do whatever I want than live in a place where every movement is watched, every thought is policed, the every word that comes out of your mouth um, is you know, potentially going to land you in prison for saying the wrong thing. And knowing that one of my neighbors is certainly spying on me, it could be one of my own family members, you know, this is a horrible place to be. This would lead to nothing but paranoia, and also ignorance, right? Because stopping the spread of ideas is obviously the first step in a dumb population. I'm not saying that Chinese people are dumb, but when you're not allowed to educate yourself to all the big, beautiful ideas in the world and you were only fed party doctrine, well, what do you think that person's brain is going to turn out like, especially if they're raised in that society? Uh, and keep in mind, this is the 100th, <laughs> 100th birthday for this party. Plenty of people in China know nothing else than this. This is their whole lives. Uh, this is dangerous stuff. And the ascendancy of China is dangerous and extremely Orwellian. It really is a new Cold War, if you think about it. Do you want to live in that world? Or do you want to live in the often messy world that the West has presented for itself, with multiple parties competing over multiple ideals, people arguing? Sometimes the government is messy and mishandles things because it doesn't have complete control over every single facet of our lives, right? The government can't force you to wear a mask. It can just ask nicely, maybe issue a ticket. Uh, The government can't round you up for supporting QAnon. The government can't come to your house and capture you and inject you with a vaccine or do whatever it wants to you. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, is it a little messier? Sure, but there are more important things uh, than having a completely organized uh, system of government. Sometimes messiness is freedom. And you just sort of have to embrace that and be okay with that because the other option is becoming an automaton in a deeply dystopian machine. That also, by the way, again, does not work for you. Like, we talked about how it's basically a plutocracy, an oligarchy in China. Who do you think benefits from the extreme uh, economic ascendancy of of China? Well, it's the party members. It's not the other hundreds of millions of Chinese. Yeah, they might get some nicer roads out of it and some new skyscrapers to look at. But it's really the party. It's the people in control. And that is why that is a bunch of BS. Um, And that is why that is also not any left-wing person's ideal, right? Like I said, that is a right-wing dictatorship for all intents and purposes, if you look at it on paper. There is nothing for the people going on in the Chinese Communist Party, again, because remember, the people, for the most part, aren't even allowed to join. So you can put that to bed right now. Okay, talking about China leads me to something else uh, that sort of crossed the desk of the skunk uh, a couple days ago. And it's interesting. This is an incident that actually occurred in September of 2020, and it does tie into China. It also ties into, I think, sort of our critical thinking episode and maybe our scientific illiteracy episode, because in both of those episodes, I talked a lot about checking your sources. When you hear something that's anywhere on the spectrum from interesting or, huh, that sounds fishy, to outright red alarm, that smells like BS, what's going on here? Well, find out... Who's saying it? You know, what is their interest in telling you this? And do they have a track record of telling the truth, right? And maybe even more importantly, is, are they being paid to tell me this? And if so, who is paying them? So in this case, this was about a Chinese whistleblower, uh, a woman named Li Meng who appeared on Tucker Carlson's opinion news show back in September of 2020 to blow the whistle on China and the Chinese Communist Party in regards to covid now, this woman came on uh, to Tucker's program and made claims that she was a doctor, a virologist, who had recently fled from China secretly and been taken to a safe house in the United States, and that the Chinese government was trying to disappear her and wanted to silence her because she knows the truth about COVID. Now, what is the truth about COVID, according to uh, Li Meng Yang? Well, apparently, she says that COVID was deliberately created in a Chinese laboratory as a bioweapon and was intentionally released onto the world. She says that the scientific community keeps silent because all of the scientists in the world are working together with the Chinese Communist Party and they do not want people to know the truth. Uh, She says this is why she is suppressed, this is why she had to flee China, and this is why she is the target of the Chinese Communist Party. Um, Huge claims, right? To say that COVID was intentionally created as a bioweapon in a Chinese lab and then intentionally released onto the world, well, wow. If true, amazing. Um, But I found it curious immediately that this person with world-changing news like that would find herself on a program like Tucker Carlson's, right, which is anything but respected journalism. Um, It's a right-wing opinion show that often peddles conspiracy theories and fake news. Like the other day, Tucker was just telling us that the FBI were the ones who stormed the Capitol building on uh, January 6th. And uh, a day or two after that, he was saying that the NSA is spying on his emails um, because apparently he's some sort of a dissident. Of course, the NSA said this is ludicrous. You know, they don't spy on Americans. Um, Either way, Tucker Carlson, you know, immediately when I saw that this was the place this person came with this curiously um, convenient uh, piece of news, right? Because we know that it's a very strong right wing Trumpish top talking point that uh, this is the Chinese virus. This is the China virus. They created it. and It's their responsibility. Now, It's weird to me that she would bring this to Tucker, right, and not, uh, say, the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, uh, literally any other news organization, the Associated Press. uh, No, she's on a right-wing opinion talk show. So I said, okay, I need to get to the bottom of this. This can't be real. Um, And again, keep in mind, uh, this news is coming to me late. This happened in September. So I do have a little benefit of hindsight here. I'm not the first to investigate this. But it is interesting because it proves the point about checking your sources. So first of all, who is Dr. Yan? Well, she claims to be a virologist from China. That may or may not be true. Um, but she's currently employed by something called the Rule of Law Society and the Rule of Law Foundation. And under those foundations, uh, in association with three other people who are believed to be you know, pseudonym-using uh, Chinese folks, um, so we don't really know their identity, she published a 26-page quote-unquote research paper detailing her quote-unquote evidence for why she thinks the COVID-19 virus was created by China intentionally and released. So they talk about this on Tucker Carlson's program a little bit, and they treat it as though this is an actual paper published in an actual journal, like a real peer-reviewed journal. Tucker doesn't get into any evidence at all. He doesn't ask for any of her evidence. Um, He just sort of gives her softball questions and allows her to go off about the Chinese government and peddle wild tales about what they're up to and why this is happening and a lot of poor me stuff about her personal plight getting away from them. But at no point is any actual scientific proof or even in a general sense uh, evidence offered during this interview about her claims about COVID being manufactured in a Chinese lab. We're basically taking this strange woman at her word. Now, it may or may not be true that she's a virologist. It may or may not be true that she fled China. Um, But what does shake out as interesting is the paper itself that she wrote, right? to leave her personal background out of it, let's look at what's in her paper. So this is a 26-page paper co-authored with three other people, like I said, who we don't really believe exist. They are probably real people using fake names. Her name is the only real one on there. she didn't get this published in any sort of journal or, um, you know, academic review or anything like that. She just uploaded it to a site called Zenodo, a site which is run by scientists, but which anybody can basically upload opinion uh, research papers to. Think of it like Facebook, right? You can go on there and write whatever you want. And yeah, there's other people on there. In this case, it's other scientists, but no one is peer reviewing your work. Um, You can literally just put up. Whatever you want, for the most part, just put up BS and uh, it flies. Not in the real scientific sense of flying, but it will exist on the site and be searchable in the database. So this woman uploaded this thing there. And after her interview with Tucker Carlson, you know, everybody wanted to read it. So a ton of real virologists and actual scientists went over and checked this paper out and found it to be complete pseudoscience. There's nothing in there that backs up her point of view. In fact, it seems to bear a lot of the hallmarks of quackery, which is, you know, the use of complex jargon, uh, the sort of blind you with science approach to just convincing a layman that something must be scientifically provable or true by just using big words and confusing jargon and stuff like that. Um, Gigi Quick, uh, Granval, who's an immunologist at Johns Hopkins University, had a great way of putting it. Um, she was part of a, 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 a rebuttal that several scientists wrote for this, and she just said, This paper is full of sciency sorts of terms that are jumbled together to sound impressive, but aren't supportive and ultimately mean nothing. Right? This paper is pseudoscience, and it's based on conjecture, in other words, is what she's trying to tell us here. She points out some specific phrases like, quote, Unique furin cleavage sites and RBM HACE2 binding, Uh, These are basically meaningless things that just sort of lend this paper a veneer of credibility. Well, there is no actual credibility going on underneath. If you're an actual immunologist, epidemiologist, virologist, you would read this paper and just wonder what the hell it even meant, because it means nothing. So this is Tucker Carlson's big whistleblower for the COVID-19 vaccine being manufactured in a lab. And most importantly, whether or not Tucker knows this doesn't even matter, but scientists all over the world have already publicly shared the genetic makeup of the coronavirus thousands and thousands of times this has been made public we can all go online and look at the genetic makeup of the coronavirus now if the virus had been created in a lab or if it had even been tweaked or altered in a lab there would be evidence of that in its genome data but there is not we basically you can see this stuff you know, when you look at the genetic makeup of a virus, you can tell if it's natural in origin or if it's been tweaked in a lab or manufactured from scratch in a lab. The science knows the difference, right? You can look under the hood and see if there's an engine in there or not. Probably a poor analogy, but that's basically what it is. Now, this is the official opinion of the CDC, the WHO, and scientists from Japan to the United States to Europe, you know, all the people who do this professionally agree on that. This was not created in a lab. Now, I will say, caveat, this does not mean that it didn't leak from a lab, you know, because in labs are natural viruses that come about organically from animals and spread from people to animals and back and forth, and there are those viruses existing in labs to be studied. So it's not impossible that a naturally occurring virus escaped a lab, right? And that is, again, like we have all said before, at least on this podcast, I've said it. Let's just see where the evidence takes us. I know a lot of people are very eager to blame a lab leak. I'm not sure why. Uh, It ultimately doesn't really matter. I mean, that would be a purely political thing for, for, for these folks, I guess. Whether this came naturally from someone eating a bat or a pangolin or whatever, or whether it leaked from a lab, okay, like we still had to deal with it one way or the other. I think the most important thing here is that it does not appear to have been an intentional leak or created as a weapon those things just don't hold up right this person's whistleblowing paper is basically mumbo-jumbo and looking at the virus we can tell that it is natural in origin so yeah sure maybe somebody accidentally came in contact with it while studying it and it left a lab that way but that destroys the political uh, maneuverings that are trying to blame China for doing this intentionally which is why Tucker had this woman on his show Um, So interestingly, we look back to, okay, well, who does this person work for again? The Rule of Law Society and the Rule of Law Foundation? Well, those don't sound like virology labs or academic institutes. Certainly has nothing to do with medicine. I mean, the Rule of Law Society, is that a place where you would expect a prominent virologist to work? Or the Rule of Law Foundation? So what are those places? Um, Well, this is where it gets really interesting. If we look at who runs those Two little organizations, it turns out to be none other than Steve Bannon, the right wing trickster and uh, man behind the curtain for a lot of these conspiracy BS types of things. Like, if you smell something rotten in America and you look under your shoe, well, it turns out you've most likely stepped in Steve Bannon. This happens constantly. This guy is behind so much misinformation. Um, he's one of these actors who is out there constantly trying to start foundations, uh, to push political lies. He is, uh, (laughs) he was arrested last year, I think, for trying to start a fund to build a wall uh, along Mexico's border from Trump supporters. And he collected, you know, something like a hundred million dollars. And it turns out he was just lining his pockets with that money. He had no intention of any sort of an organization actually building a wall. So he was arrested for fraud. Now, whose boat was he arrested on when this took place? Well, it turns out he was arrested on the boat of a man named Guo Wengui, a fugitive Chinese billionaire and a close friend uh, and business partner of Steve Bannon. Huh. Now, Guo Wengui was in trouble for fraud in China. Now, this may or may not be true, given how uh, the party acts and, you know, the accusations it makes against people, especially wealthy people. So Guo Wengui, maybe guilty of fraud, maybe not, we'll probably never know, but He flees China several years ago with his billions of dollars and comes to the United States, where he immediately hooks up with right-wing Americans like Steve Bannon, who have an interest in sort of producing anti-Chinese propaganda. Now, Steve Bannon has made a a little side hustle for himself here of collecting Chinese dissidents and Chinese political refugees to the United States and sort of grooming them and working with them to produce anti-Chinese propaganda. And it turns out Mr. Guo is his partner in founding this rule of law society and the rule of law foundation where Dr. Yan works, you know. Um, So what basically happened here is they were the ones that got Dr. Yan out of China to the United States, put her up and started grooming her for media appearances to spread this what appears to be lie about China intentionally engineering the COVID-19 virus. So this is amazing when you get to the bottom of this. It's actually, you know, what was presented on Fox News is this amazing Chinese whistleblower is really just a concoction of none other than our own homegrown right-wing propagandist, Steve Bannon. Now, I have no doubt that this woman is actually from China, and she may or may not actually be a doctor. I call that into question a little bit based on what other scientists think of her quote-unquote research paper that was basically like dog vomit, um... So what her real credentials are, we may never know, but all we do know is she is involved with an extremely shady uh, American political actor, you know, who's been in trouble for fraud, who's behind a lot of the corruption and crimes committed by the Trump administration. And there's a direct line from that guy to Tucker Carlson, you know, who is a classic right-wing, unapologetic lie spreader and political maneuverer um, and propagandist. So... I would just say, whatever this woman's background is, almost doesn't matter at this point, right? Once you see who she's involved with, and once you see the reasons why she's on Fox News telling these stories, it becomes painfully obvious that the motivations for that interview had nothing to do with any real whistleblowing going on and everything to do with feeding the right wing American political base lies that they want to hear. They want to hear that China did this on purpose and they want to see proof. And so, between Tucker Carlson and Steve Bannon, and an ousted Chinese billionaire who's potentially guilty of fraud, they've come up with one. Very interesting. When you get to the bottom of this, it's highly political in nature. And I want to also touch again on on her claims that the entire scientific world is somehow doing the bidding of the Chinese Communist Party. Well, why would that ever be? That makes no sense. Do you think that the the CDC and uh, you know, scientists and doctors in places like Germany, Japan, Britain, France, what interest do these folks have in working with the Chinese Communist Party? And especially America, you know we, we are the greatest rival to China. Why would the CDC and the National Institute of Health want to tow the party line, literally, for the Chinese Communist Party? Like that just doesn't hold up to scrutiny. It does fit right in. With the right wing paranoia and mistrust of government, and the narrative being pushed in places like Fox News and by folks like Steve Bannon on his podcast, that the Democrats are somehow communists, right? And that the government is lying to you and that we are slowly turning America into a Chinese, uh, you know, (laughs) province or at least an independent communist state of our own. None of that stuff is actually happening, but you'll hear talk like that from the right all the time. So, of course, this woman's story that has probably been fed to her by Steve Bannon and Mr. Guo fits perfectly into that, and aha, now we can see here on TV an actual Chinese doctor fleeing in the dead of night to tell us the truth about China. Right, until you actually read her paper or understand the scientific fact that we would know if COVID-19 was created in a lab simply by looking at its genome, which is publicly available to view for every single scientist in the world who understands how this stuff works. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. That's what comes when you check your sources. I think if you had just seen this on Fox News or read the article that came out on you know Fox.com about this amazing bombshell interview you would probably just move on with your day and say, wow, well, you know, they figured out and proved that China created this in a lab. And soon, people who aren't checking their sources or looking more deeply behind the curtain on this kind of stuff are believing this hook, line, and sinker and spreading it to friends, to family, to people at work. And those people aren't going to bother to check up on it either. And before long... The lie becomes the truth, right? No, no, I did hear China. Uh, China created that in a lab. In fact, they even had one of the scientists who helped create it on the news the other day, and she told us all about it. That's some scary stuff, man. And I think that Steve Bannon and Tucker Carlson know exactly what they're doing when they pull the wool over our eyes like this, and that's why propagandists do what they do. They know that you're not going to look too deeply at what they present to you, and if they have the veneer. Like, this is all Fox is, right? The same as this alleged doctor. It's just the veneer of credibility. Well, I have a TV show. I must be legitimate. Look, I'm wearing a tie. The network that I work for has the word news in the title, even though what I'm doing is basically no better than a podcast, you know, an opinion podcast. Um, People are going to think it's news because of the tie, because it says Fox News at the bottom of the screen. Forget the fact that Tucker Carlson's show has been taken to court over telling lies, and Fox News themselves... Their legal argument was no reasonable person would ever watch Tucker Carlson and believe that it was real news. Like, that is what Fox's own lawyers used as a defense when, when they've been sued for, for peddling lies. No reasonable person would believe Tucker Carlson. It's obviously just an opinion show. It's obviously not real news. So they themselves know goddamn well what they're doing. But the people who watch that show and who see an interview like this will not understand that. And that is how lies become truth. Scary stuff, man. I will say there was another similar thing that actually just crossed my desk this morning. This was an article from the Wall Street Journal called Are COVID Vaccines Riskier Than Advertised? So this article is obviously trying to be provocative by insinuating that there's some serious danger to the COVID-19 vaccines, right? At a time when all of us really need to be taking it if we want to get rid of this problem, there are always these people out there sort of muddying the water and stirring things up, which is what this article set out to do. Let me read you the first paragraph of this article, and you tell me if your alarm bells go off the way that mine did. Okay, and I quote, One remarkable aspect of the COVID-19 pandemic has been how often unpopular scientific ideas, from the lab leak theory to the efficacy of masks, were initially dismissed or even ridiculed, only to resurface later in mainstream thinking. Differences of opinion have sometimes been rooted in disagreement over the underlying science, but the more common motivation has been political. Okay, so right off the bat here, I'm seeing that this person is saying, unpopular scientific ideas like lab leak theories and the efficacy of masks were initially dismissed and ridiculed only to resurface later in mainstream thinking. Okay, whose mainstream thinking, again, is the lab leak theory? Uh, Whose mainstream thinking uh, is that masks might not work? Well, I don't think that's the mainstream opinion of science. I think that's the mainstream opinion of right-wing people who don't believe in science and find the whole COVID thing inconvenient and wanna blame China for it. I think that that's not really mainstream thinking at all. And this person goes on to end that paragraph by saying the more common motivation for all this stuff isn't scientific, it's political. No, I think it is scientific and you're making it political, right? They go on in this article to basically go over some cases of people who have had negative reactions to the COVID-19 vaccine and sort of say, uh, science is covering this up, right? There's all these dangers to the vaccine and people aren't talking about it and these studies are being suppressed, even though for some reason they have access to the data. They go on to say that, you know, there were 310 million vaccine doses that have been given so far uh, in the United States, which actually to me seems like a lot. I mean, maybe that number's right, maybe it's not, but they say 310 million vaccine doses have been given and there's been 321 cases reported of myocarditis which is, my understanding, is basically a swelling of the heart muscles. Um, okay, so if 310 million doses have been given, and 321 cases of myocarditis, <clears throat> myocarditis uh, have appeared, well, that means that it's a one in a million chance that you might experience some heart swelling. One in a million. 310 million doses given. 321 cases. Is this supposed to worry me that much? Am I? Would I rather get COVID than take a one in a million chance that a survivable uh, side effect will maybe happen to me? Is this supposed to be some sort of a bombshell that tells us we shouldn't be getting vaccinated, right? I don't understand the point of this. They go on to talk about some other stuff like that. Uh, none of it really impressed me. I just felt like this whole article was basically political. So this already just had me like, what the hell is this article talking about? This does not seem like a very scientific article at all. It seems like it has a very conservative sort of bend to it. So I read on and I find this paragraph, quote, The battle to recover scientific honesty will be an uphill one in the U.S. Anti-Trump politics in the spring of 2020 mushroomed into social media censorship of conservatives. News reporting often lacked intellectual curiosity about the appropriateness of public health guidelines, or why a vocal minority of scientists strongly disagreed with prevailing opinions. Hmm, interesting. So what this person is saying is basically he thinks that science and the media have uh, colluded uh, to make COVID an anti-Trump type thing, right? And uh, the, the mentioning, of course, of the social media censorship of conservatives and pro-Trump people tells me exactly this person's point of view, right? We've covered that ludicrous BS on this show before. And then they go on to say that why won't the news uh, have the intellectual curiosity to, you know, talk about the vocal minority of scientists that disagree with prevailing opinions, you know, like mask wearing and getting vaccines and social distancing, well, I don't know why we, we constantly on the right wing here are focused on the minority opinions in science, right? Why, again, the climate change people want to talk about the 3% of scientists who don't think that climate change is man-made, and they want to completely ignore the 97% of scientists who do agree that climate change is man-made, and they see the obvious pattern, right? Why are we worried about the 3%? These people are severely outvoted. It seems like they're getting it wrong. And again, here, this person's saying, why are we only hearing about the majority of science, you know, uh, opinions uh, from epidemiologists and virologists and doctors who are talking about wearing masks and social distancing and getting vaccines? Why are we only hearing from them? Why aren't we hearing from the minority of quacks that are very vocal? This is censorship, right? This is conservative censorship. Good Lord. I mean, no, that's just, this is just muddying the water. It's obvious. I, I hate talking about this over and over again, but It's obvious that wearing masks, if everyone does it, slows the spread of COVID. We've seen it work. We know it happens. It's not just for COVID. It's for other infectious diseases, too. We understand how the vaccine works. We understand how social distancing works. It doesn't matter that there's a vocal minority of conservative scientists out there with uh, fringe opinions. Why would we, you know, as now speaking as the royal we, as the media, want to muddy the water with stuff that is not considered mainstream science, right? There is a both-sides-ism that you want to present if, you know, you're going by a sort of fairness doctrine when you're talking about political opinions. But science is not political as much as this person would like it to be, and as much as they're blaming the media for making science political. I don't think that's true at all. You know, the media is listening to the expert opinions. You know, they're going to go to the director of the National Institute of Health's you know, Infectious Disease and Allergy Division, which is Dr. Fauci. They're going to talk to him because he's the man with the credentials. And so his opinion counts more than your fringe physician up the street in whatever backwater you live in who has a different opinion on this stuff. There's a reason that guy's not getting broadcast, and Dr. Fauci is. And there's a reason we get our opinions from the WHO and the CDC and not from fringe doctor bloggers and chiropractors <laughs> or whoever. Sorry, I couldn't resist my dig at chiropractic there. Um, this is incredibly disingenuous. And I will say that I woke up and my my wife had read this article and, and sent it to me and was like, what do you think about this? And I said, you know, after giving it a read, it just seems extremely agenda heavy on the political side of things. And I said, also the Wall Street Journal, not exactly known for being fair and balanced, right? Like this is a... a a paper that you might get amazing business news from. It's actually owned by Dow Jones, so that should tell you something. It's sort of a pro-capitalist business paper. But when it comes to the world of science, uh, it has a really poor reputation. And so I actually looked up on Wikipedia and sent her their quote. I didn't know that Wikipedia said this about them until I read it, but I figured something like this might be in there. So the Wall Street Journal... Quote, the editorial pages of the Wall Street Journal are typically conservative in their position. The Journal Editorial Board has promoted views that differ from the scientific consensus on various issues, from climate change to acid rain, ozone depletion, as well as on the health harms of things like secondhand smoke, pesticides, and asbestos. Right, so in other words, when it comes to science reporting, the Wall Street Journal is typically on the wrong side of everything, right? They denied secondhand smoke <laughs> is harmful, pesticides, uh, asbestos. How'd you like to get up in an attic full of asbestos and camp out for a weekend? Would you take the journal's word that that's a safe thing to do? I sure as hell wouldn't. Um, they're kind of climate change deniers over there. Uh, they denied ozone depletion existed back when that was a big problem. So I just, I wouldn't really take their word on something like um Whether or not vaccines are safe, and when they're sort of pushing back against mask wearing and social distancing and advocating for giving voice to a vocal minority of fringe scientists and giving them an equal platform with scientific consensus. So, yeah, again, check your sources. You read something like that that sounds political and sounds sort of, well, it's weird that, like, why am I reading in the Wall Street Journal? This person pushing the complete opposite opinion of all the scientific consensus that I've heard over the last year and a half about COVID. Well, then you look into who's behind the opinions on the science (laughs) pages of The Wall Street Journal and you see exactly what this is all about, right? It's, again, it's a pro-capitalist rag in a lot of ways. Of course, they're going to be anti-climate change, right? Because the oil industry is a huge booming business for America as well as a lot of other countries, it's not in their interest to report accurately on climate change. Um, what exactly their reasoning would be here uh, with the anti-COVID safety measure stuff, I can only guess it's sort of towing the party line, to be honest with you. Like, again, I saw nothing in this article that proved to me that there was anything to worry about with these vaccines. Like They're reporting outlier cases, one in a million cases of side effects that some people have had, as though we should be worried about that. You know, this is as dangerous as getting in your car and going to the grocery store. You might get in an accident, right? There's, there, there is a chance that that will happen. As dangerous as getting on a plane or climbing a tree, walking your dog during a, a thunderstorm. I mean, there's a million things that are as dangerous as the COVID vaccine that you would do without thinking twice about it. So to me, this is another example, like this whistleblower on Tucker Carlson's show, right? This is just stretching to try to fit science into a political agenda that it very clearly does not fit into on its own. Trying to mash and mold the data and cram it into a box that it does not want to go in, that it cannot possibly fit in, so that you can present it to your people, quote-unquote, you know, who are like-minded individuals who don't like the real data, and they'd like to hear a second opinion. So it's your job as a right-wing um, journalist or an on-air personality at Fox to sort of find a way to take reality and make it sound a little different because it's inconvenient for your audience. That's their whole job. And that's, again, why I say this ties back into the demagogue episode. Finding a way to take the facts and make them comfortable for you because they don't agree with you on their own. So we're going to have to twist them and distort them and look at them from different angles, maybe bring in a quack doctor from China who's written a paper that is literally as intelligible as a child scribbling on a wall with a crayon uh, and then just sort of make that the new reality for my audience so that they could feel like, oh, yes, I was read all along. Masks don't work. And China did this on purpose. Oh, I can rest easy. You know, I just always felt in my gut that that was the case. These masks are stupid. Uh, China's the enemy, blah, blah, blah. Now, that aside, I will say I agree with the conservative viewpoint that China is a terrifying place and I do not see them as a friend. I might see the Chinese people, you know, the proletariat, as it were, as friends, because again, they don't control the party. The party controls them. So I see no reason to take this up with every Chinese person. But I do see the Chinese Communist Party as a terrifying force for evil in this world. And the fact that they are even able to compete with free Western society on an economic level while exercising that amount of control and abuse over their citizens uh, should terrify everyone, right? Because most of the time when you see a state authoritarian communist regime, you look at something like North Korea that's a complete and utter failure. You look to the Soviet Union that fell apart, couldn't couldn't make that dream work for itself, right? It was basically, the proof was in the pudding for state-run communism when the Soviet Union collapsed. And then the only remaining communist states, really, you know, you look around, most of them are dumps and hell holes that you would never want to live in because they're just poorly run. The people are starving. It's obviously an extraction of wealth from the bottom to the top. The party collects everything, and the people are left to starve and die and basically toil for the benefit of the party. I would say China's not exactly an exception to that. The only exception would be that they have very successfully created an industrialized nation. Part of that, of course, is because Western capitalists have been able to strike deals with them and move so much of our own manufacturing to communist China, we have sort of given this to them on a velvet pillow in a way. If it weren't for the capitalist West and our consumerist ways, and we weren't constantly buying things that were manufactured there, from everything from a McDonald's toy to the pillow that you sleep on to the tires on your car, if we weren't striking those deals with them and buying that, the Chinese Communist Party would have no money. They would be SOL, right? They, they would have nothing to work with. It is because of us that they have what they have. So it's weird. This is almost a monster of our own creation. We have lain in bed with the communists by turning a blind eye to what allows our consumer culture to run cheaply, which is weird because it's on some level also screwed us out of having our own manufacturing industry. You know, when so much of American manufacturing disappeared, where do you think it went? You know, and that's also when the unions sort of disappeared from this country, because so many trade unions were based on manufacturing and industrial um, sectors. Well, all that went away. A lot of union jobs went away. Uh, Union membership has dropped precipitously since the 1960s, and it coincides with the rise of China. Wow. Interesting how that works. So I would say, yeah, the conservatives are absolutely right to be worried about China. I'm worried about China. But... There's no reason to make shit up here. That's where I have a problem with these guys. Like, we can confront the problem of China head-on without using our propaganda apparatus, Steve Bannon, or people like Tucker Carlson, to just make shit up and tell lies and bring on disingenuous interview guests to spread misinformation because that actually feeds right into the Chinese hands when it is easily debunked and, you know, these people are proven to be lying and making stuff up. We should be much more interested in legitimate criticism of China, finding actual whistleblowers. You know, there's a ton of stuff going on over there with the Uyghur Muslim population being basically genocided. Like, there are real deal things that that government is doing. Uh, their actions, like, in regards to Hong Kong are terrifying. I mean, we have so much to deal with with them. Why do we need to make anything up? That part kind of baffles me. I don't get it. But also feeds right into China's hands, because what you're doing when you spread misinformation about the origins of COVID, the efficacy of vaccines and mask wearing, well, you're playing into the party's number one piece of propaganda right now that they are running over and over again, which is the United States and the West in general's complete bungling of a COVID-19 response. So you are making vaccine hesitancy real you are encouraging people to take off their masks and spread this disease which makes us look like a bunch of inept buffoons incapable of tackling a pandemic that china if their numbers are be or should be believed and i would caution against you know taking too much faith in this china stamped out covid like a cockroach in the kitchen after you come home from a vacation and flick the light switch on they got right on top of it because they have complete control over that society like we mentioned earlier Now, I don't trust them for a minute when they give us these low, low numbers of COVID deaths that they've had. I think they're full of it. But it stands to reason that they probably did better than us no matter what, you know, whether their numbers are real or, you know, doctored a little bit. I think that no matter how you look at it, they kind of got it under control and we kind of didn't because we don't have control over every single person in the United States. And people were still going to spring break parties and crowded restaurants with no masks on. People are refusing to get the vaccine. So, yeah, because we allow freedom, that's just kind of the collateral damage that we're taking from COVID because people are allowed to do whatever they want. We give them advice and they can tell us to shove it. Um, But China looks to that and says, well, look at what personal freedom is getting these Americans. Death, you know, thank God for you. You've got a big daddy government that watches out for you and tells you what to do, what to wear. You're going to put that mask on. We're going to put this in your arm, whether you like it or not. And it's all to keep you safe. And look, we did it. We kept you safe. Look at how few Chinese have died because of our harsh, (laughs) controlling ways. You know, this is like having a parent that um, just uh, beats the hell out of you and tells you that it's for your own good. Um, That's what China is. In fact, one thing it reminded me of, actually, looking at the way that they view economic output versus human rights versus how we view it, is it's almost like those parents in school who... Do not give their kids a minute of personal time, right? It is all get straight A's or you're getting the belt. Study, 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 get straight A's. And then after school, it's straight to tennis practice. And then after that, to piano practice and violin practice. And then after that, you're doing this activity and that activity. You're going to French class. You're going to that class. These kids just always have a thousand yard stare in their eye because in their parents' mind, it's more important for this kid To be educated on every single thing under the sun and get straight A's and get into the most prestigious university possible so that the kid can, what, be rich one day? That is more important than this person's happiness. This kid is not living a well-rounded life. You know, no matter how many classes you enroll a kid in, part of life is personal time, to explore what you want to explore, to have social interactions with people, to have friendships with other kids, go outside and ride some bikes, use your imagination, go play in the garden, follow a snail around, whatever the hell it is kids do on their private time, these are the people that are are depriving their children of that vital part of their identity and growth. Well, that is sort of China's attitude towards its own citizens. It does not give one iota of a shit if the average Chinese person is happy or feeling good about themselves or feeling in any way liberated or thoughtful, that they don't care at all. What is important is that the GDP continues to go up and that the health of the party and the Chinese society are doing better and better at all times. Like that is what matters. It is a different look at life than what we have. We value economic output, too. Sure. But more importantly than that, we value personal freedom. Um So this is really a battle of ideals here in a big way. Do you think it's more important to live in a country that has an amazing manufacturing sector at the expense of your personal expression and ability to control your own thoughts and actions? Or do you think it's more important to be able to say what you want, read what you want, associate with who you want, criticize the government, blog something inappropriate, uh, and maybe your economy does a little bit worse because there's dissenting opinions and people can't agree on things? I don't know. Of course I'm a westerner so I see that as a better way of life. But we have a very real information war to fight with China, especially as they continue to beat our ass in the growth department as to why our way of life is better. There are a lot of people in China who legitimately enjoy Chinese society and believe that that is the right way forward, right? It is a different culture than ours. It's it's difficult for some of us to look at that and believe wholeheartedly that anyone enjoys it, but Some of them really do. It's like being on a winning sports team, right? They don't mind making personal sacrifices for the benefit of the greater cause, of the greater team, which is the the party. So my whole point here, basically, a lot of misinformation back and forth about all this stuff. Checking your sources is vitally important, you know? And if we're going to go after our great rivals, China, why not do it honestly? They have plenty of stuff, easily low-hanging fruit to criticize. No reason to bring on fake doctors and lie about it. Okay, anyway, I spent a little bit too much time on China in this episode. Um, There is some other stuff that I wanted to touch on, but I think we really only have time for me to get to the UFO thing, because I want to update that. Um, So yes, the United States government released a report uh, of 144 different UFO incidences that it was aware of and that it investigated. They had a lot to work with. Um, they had all the evidence, you know, from the Pentagon available to them and whoever else in the military had these videos and these eyewitness reports and stuff like that. And they investigated all this stuff. And out of the 144 incidences, they were only able to explain one, which is pretty interesting. Um, and that was something that turned out to just be a deflating balloon. (laughs) So, but that leaves 143 other unexplained incidences. It's also interesting, they've decided to drop the term UFO. They are now calling this uh, a UAP, uh, Unexplained Aerial Phenomenon, instead of an un- Unidentified Flying Object. So whatever, rose by any other name, right? It's a UFO. So what's interesting here is that, of course, this means they provided no answers for this stuff. Some of these videos and, uh, and incidences they agreed were very, very baffling and did appear to You know, show things that looked like maybe they were defying the laws of physics, or at least defying technology that we have at the moment would probably be a better way to put it. Like things flying at angles and at speeds uh, that we believe to be impossible given our own current technology. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that this isn't a natural phenomenon or a trick of the camera, or more importantly, this could still be top secret stuff that they are just not willing to admit that they have. Um, and the investigators delved into that. You know, they said that the military is telling them that they are being uh, upfront and forthright about what they have and what they don't. But these people do not have top secret clearance to learn whether or not that's true. <laughs> you know, the, why, why would the military tell these sort of independent investigators, oh, that now that's just the super top secret thing that we are operating, you know, uh, out of the black budget and we're building um yeah we'll tell you all about it. No, it's not a UFO. Now, it's much much easier for the military to have these investigators believe that they don't know what it is than to give away their greatest secrets. <laughs> now, that may or may not be the explanation. Who knows? It, it's possible, it could not be. It could also be another country's technology. Um we don't know. Uh, the the fact is This report basically gave us exactly what I at least expected us to give, which is zero answers at all and one balloon. So, I don't know, I feel like it's it's worth mentioning, but it doesn't really contradict anything I brought up in my first two Alien episodes, which is that just because something is unexplainable doesn't mean it doesn't have an explanation, right? We might not be clever enough to figure out what this phenomenon was, the video might not be good enough, Uh, whatever it is. But it doesn't mean that there isn't a perfectly fine explanation. It just means we're not clever enough or we haven't seen anything like this before and we don't really understand it. So interesting, right? Very, very interesting. I think this will probably do nothing to change the greater conversation about aliens and UFOs. I think it will just continue to be the way that it always has been because no answers were provided. I will say one thing worth mentioning about it, though, is that at no point in this report are aliens mentioned, are extraterrestrial technologies mentioned. Uh, nothing of the sort ever comes up. And they categorize the, the possible solutions to these aerial phenomenon into different categories. I think there's like five of them, all the way from you know, easily explainable earthly phenomenon to technological malfunction of a camera or something like that. Um, and then the fifth category is just called other meaning we don't know and it's sort of the catch-all term for anything else that uh, we don't understand and we'll just throw it in the other category so yeah no aliens none of that in fact they kind of go out of their way to say like you know there's probably a reasonable explanation for most of this stuff we just can't figure it out sorry we don't know what it is anyways guys um keep your eyes on the skies I guess <laughs> you want to find the answer to that This has been a fun episode and an interesting one. I feel like, like I said, I apologize for not having a monolithic topic to cover here, but I think parsing information, maybe that's what this should be called, right? It's it's getting information like the government UFO report, seeing the quote-unquote whistleblower interview on Tucker Carlson, or reading the Wall Street Journal's take on science and vaccines and mask wearing, and then parsing that properly, not just taking it at face value, but understanding what's behind it, right? the government not having an answer to the UFO question does not mean it has anything to do with aliens. And the same goes for the Tucker Carlson interview and the Wall Street Journal's vaccine opinions, right? They can say whatever they want. When you look behind it, does it really hold up? I would say no. Anyways, guys, a fun episode of The Skunk. I am looking forward to the next one, and I will see you there. Skunk out? Is that how we do this now? Skunk out? No, I don't like that one. How about, I will see you next time on The Skunk.